Well, one of the areas that we have the most relationships in our life in is work. And whether that's coworkers or bosses or employees or customers, clients, one of the areas that we have the most relationships in our life is in work. But we're tonight not going to just talk about the relationships that we have in work, but actually talk about our relationship to work itself. So we will talk about relationships that are in work, but I want to take a little bit higher level perspective and talk about our relationship to work itself. So kind of think about work as its own relationship. And if we think about it from that perspective, then I think we'll be able to look at really how it affects all the different relationships that we have within work. And so I want to look at how it is that being a Christian and how the Bible's teaching on work and how our uh, faith as Christians affects our work life, how it is that we think about work, how it is that we feel about work, and how it is that we actually do our work. So let's, let's look at that, but to begin with, before any of that, one great book on work is the Bible, but there's also another book that I just want to recommend to you. This is something that you want to talk about even more, and a lot of these thoughts and ideas, as I've studied work, come from this book by Timothy Keller, Every Good Endeavor, and I strongly uh, recommend this book on work. It's the best that, that I have ever read on the subject, but let's, uh, let's talk about work. So first, how we think about work. How, how is it that you think about work? When you think about work, when you think about your job, when you think about your career, how, how do you think about it? Is, it? is work good? Is work bad? Is work... Why do we even have it? Like, what do you think about when you think about work? And here, here's what the Bible says about work. First of all, it tells us that work is good. Here's what happens in the very beginning of the world and the Bible in Genesis. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So the very first thing we see is that God works. That's a very unique perspective that many religions do not share. Here's something else. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God creates man and woman in his image, in his likeness, that is that they are like him, that they represent him, that they are to reflect him, they are to mirror him, and part of that One of the biggest pieces of that is that they are to work. He gives them dominion over all the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, and you'll see it here again, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on this earth. Earth. So that those ideas of dominion and of subdue and filling the earth, those are ideas of work. And then here it says again in Genesis chapter 2, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. 
See, from the very beginning, we see that work is good because God works. That immediately, just that in and of itself, the fact that God works, that gives immense dignity and value to our work. To think that work is not something that is, man, I've got to work. But work is something God himself does. Work is something that thus, just by that fact, gives it a tremendous honor that we are made in God's image, we're made in his likeness, and the very first piece of that that we see is that God says, work. So many of you, if you look at the Bible and go, okay, what's the Bible's teaching on work? You open it up and it says, hey, work is good. Maybe that it doesn't feel like that, but from the very beginning, from the very beginning of time, God has commissioned people to work. Because God is a worker, and then as he makes the garden, and as he makes the world, he sends out us, humans, to begin to work it as well as his stewards on this earth to partner with him. See, God plants the garden, and then he has Adam and Eve to be working in the garden and tending the garden and cultivating the garden and having dominion over the earth. All of those ideas say work is a good thing. Work is a good thing. But, obviously there's a but, because if you look at your own lives, you know that work is not, oh, well, work is good. That's, thank you for telling me that, because it doesn't feel like that all the time, right? Well, here's what happens. Because God works, and then he makes us to work, and it's, I mean, do you, do you think about that, by the way, that this is before any sin, before any of that, that people were working? And do you know the Bible also talks about in heaven that we're going to be working, Sorry if some of you were disappointed by that. But work is something that is actually inherently good. But here's what happens. This is the very next chapter. Very next chapter. And to Adam, this is when Adam and Eve, okay, they, they rebel against God. If you, if you um, are a Christian or if you've read the Bible, you probably know this story. Adam and Eve disobey God. He puts two trees in the garden, says, don't eat from this one. You can eat from this one, but don't eat from this one. They choose to eat from that tree. And because of that, because of their disobedience, they, everything is broken then at that point. Everything falls apart. And they now are no longer in perfect relationship with God, in perfect relationship with each other, and in perfect relationship with the creation, with their work. It's, everything's broken now. And so here's what is called the curse, part of the punishment of this. This is God speaking to Adam. He said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, not that that's a thing bad in itself, but she was telling him to eat this. Don't husbands like write that down and say, yeah, see, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So, this is our experience, isn't it? Work is good. And sometimes, even in your life, maybe maybe it was right after college, or maybe right when you moved to Denver, you were excited about work. You, maybe, it's, maybe some of you are looking for a new job right now, or maybe you just got a new job, or think of a day when you, you got a new job, or when you just graduated and you were ready to put your, your skills to use, and it, it was exciting, it was work, this is great, I've been training for this, I've been educated for this, and I got a new job, you celebrate, you go out with friends because you got a new job, and you start your job, and it's exciting, but very quickly, 
the next chapter is, oh my goodness, thorns and thistles. See, what once Adam's work being a gardener, being tending to, cultivating to the earth that God had given to him, now he's still going to eat, it says. You'll still get bread. You'll still get the fruit from the garden, but it's going to be by the sweat of your brow. There's going to be thorns and thistles. Every time you get stuck by a rose bush with thorns, you can just, instead of saying another four-letter word, you can say, Adam! And just, ah, it's his fault, right? Thorns and thistles. And work now is cursed. That the ground, this is from a gardener's perspective. I don't know if any of you are gardeners, but our work is cursed. The work that we're called to, though it is inherently good and something God himself does, now it's cursed. Now it's hard. Now it's difficult. Now there's pain. And this can be because of our own selves, right? I mean, some of our work is frustrating because of us. Maybe we don't do it well. Maybe we don't do it right. Maybe we get lazy. Maybe we get bored. Maybe we sin in our work. It can be from other people, difficult customers, difficult clients, people that mistreat you, bosses that mistreat you, policies that seem to mistreat us. Work is cursed now because the world is broken. It no longer works in the perfect harmony that God created it to work in. So work is good, but work is cursed. And a lot of times we don't want our work to be cursed. We buck up against that. Now, why doesn't this work? Why is this so frustrating? Why is... We should expect that, though. If we have the Bible's perspective on work, not that it's going to make everything better, but we should come with a healthy realism to know work is not going to go the way you want it to go. It's not. There's no perfect job that will ever just work itself out perfectly because people are sinful and the world is affected by sin. That it will always be frustrating. It will always be disappointing. It will never deliver what originally we thought it was going to deliver. That the world is now under a curse of of sin. So work is good, but work is cursed and broken. And every time we see that, that can be actually a good reminder. A reminder not just to be frustrated by those things, but to go, you know what? This is a reminder to me that we all need a Savior. That this world is not how it's supposed to be. Even think about that. Every time your work is frustrating, and it's going to be, when it is, tomorrow, instead of just getting really upset by that, even see that as an opportunity to go, you know what, this is a reminder to me that I'm sinful, that the world I live in is affected by sin, and that we need Jesus. I think even the bad things in our work can be a good reminder. Third thing that the Bible helps us to think through about work is that All work is God's work. See, God planted the garden, and then he takes Adam and Eve and commissions them to keep doing the work that he did. All work is God's work. Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, talked about this from a couple different places in the Bible. But if you think about a very classic part in the Bible where it says, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and he says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, etc., 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 and says, give us this day our daily bread. So we're praying to God to give us our daily bread, which can mean uh, bread itself, which was representative of life and food and nourishment and all those things that we need to live. How is it that God does that? How does he give us our daily bread? 
Have any of you woken up and there was just bread in your hand? Like, I just prayed it, and there it was. That's amazing. Have any of you prayed that God give you a job, and all of a sudden you were transported, and you were wearing a work uniform, and like, wow, thank you, God. So many of the things that we pray for, how does that actually happen? Well, just like we see in the garden, where God is the one that creates the world, and he creates the garden, but then he sends Adam and Eve and commissions them to keep doing his work, That is the same way the world works. See, all work, if it's good work, is God's work. The way we get bread, how does that come to us? Well, there's a baker, right, that puts that together. And there's someone before the baker. There's the the farmer that plants the seed. There's the picker that picks the seed. There's the grocery store stacker that puts it out. There's the people that drive the truck, right? All these different things that come together for us to get bread. And even if you said, well, I could make my own bread. Well, yeah, but how would you do that? In your oven? And who made the oven? And I mean, all these different pieces that it takes to even get something like bread. Or even, I was thinking about this, my, my Bible. how this Bible come into existence? Well, someone did the ink, and someone built the machines, and someone put the pages together, and the Amazon delivery guy brought it to me. All of that is God's work. See, all work is God's work. All work is God's work, if it's good work. All work is God's work, because the way that God works in this world is usually not through, it. he can do this, But it's usually not through supernatural, boom, here's bread. Boom, here's a Bible. It's usually through means. It's usually through us participating with him in his his work. Just as Adam and Eve participated with him in his work of gardening. We participate with God. Which, that all of a sudden, gives immense dignity to all of our work. Look, do you have a boring job? Do you have a job that maybe you're not super excited about? Do you have a job that maybe you don't even want to be in? If you begin to think about work as I'm actually participating with God in his love and care for this world. That's not just working at a nonprofit. That can be the, the baker, the, the stacker, the packer, the driver. If work is good work, it's participating with God's love and care for this world. See, God loves and cares for this world. And he wants flourishing for this world. And if we are doing good work, we participate with God in his work of this world. So that when people pray, give us this daily bread, we actually have a part in that. Does that make sense? You understand that? That makes work way different, especially for those of us that have jobs that maybe are more monotonous, a little more boring. It gives dignity to those jobs. And it gives dignity to jobs that people usually don't look at as upper echelon jobs. It's easy to admire people in jobs um, that are in the the, uh, nonprofit profession because it seems like they're really making a difference in people's lives. It's easy to honor jobs that have... Tons of status and success because we wish we had those jobs. But what about the waiters and what about the baristas and what about the housekeepers and what about the maids and what about the, the guy at the hotel desk and what about, I mean, 
those jobs actually have immense dignity and value, and we can respect those people much, much more if we begin to say they're actually doing God's work. They're doing God's work in partnering with God's love and care of the world in one different small way, the same way that I am, the same way that we all are if we're doing good work. So work is good, but work is cursed, and yet all work is God's work. It also changes how we feel about work. See, one of the things that when you come to work and you think about work, what are your feelings around work? What's the heart-level feelings around work? Usually it's one of two things. It's either that we view work as unimportant, or we view it as all-important. We either view it as everything, where we get our identity, where we get our status, where we know that we're actually somebody, or it's just kind of a necessary evil to get the money to do what it is that we really want to do. Usually that's how we view work. That's how we feel about work in our heart. Ah, I hate my job, but I need the money to be able to do what I actually want to do. Or work is everything. It's, man, work is my life. And work is, when I introduce myself to people, I let them know right away what I do. That's a big part of our culture and a big part of our society, is it not? That, I mean, what's one of the first questions you ask people? What do you do? Because we have so much of our identity wrapped up in our work. So often, the way that we feel about work is either it's everything or it's nothing. It's just really a way for me to get money to do the things that I really love. And all of that comes down to this concept. We treat work not as a way to partner with God and his love and care for the world. It's not a way to give. It's not a way to contribute. It's a way to get. It's a way to receive. See, what we read about work here is it's a way to give. That God makes the world and we get to partner with him in what he's doing in the world. God makes the world and we get to participate with him in his love and care for the world. But many times the way we view work is it's a way for me to get. And that plays out in a couple ways. It can be a way for us to get fulfillment, satisfaction, contentment. I mean, think about you have said this maybe or you have heard people say this. I want a job that is fulfilling. I want a job that is satisfying. I want a job where I actually feel fulfilled in it. Now, is that bad? No. It's not bad. God made work, and it's good, so I think doing work is an important part of a meaningful life. And yet, a lot of times when I talk with people, it can easily become, I cannot be fulfilled in my life unless my work is fulfilling. I cannot be content in my life unless I'm content in my job. I cannot be satisfied in my life unless my job is satisfying. That a job begins to be that place that we look to for contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment. We have to have that in our work. I need a job to be fulfilling for me. I want a job to fulfill me. I want a job to satisfy me. I want a job to make me content. I want this to give me something. I want to get from my job these things. Or, as I mentioned Previously, that it can be this thing that we get an identity from, a status from. 
A lot of times people look at work as the, the way they will know that they are somebody. The way that they will know that they have value, that they have worth. I mean, think about this. How did you get into the job that you got into? I don't know everybody in this room and all of your situation, but I know that oftentimes we even choose our work based on what's this going to say about me? What kind of status is this going to give to me? That we choose work not based on how can I contribute, how can I serve, how can I be a part of what God's doing in the world, but a lot of times, okay, if I have this kind of job, I'll have value. If I have this kind of job, I'll have worth. If I have this kind of job, I'll know that I actually matter. So we're going to work to get a sense of identity. Here's what the Bible says about that piece in particular. Here's what happens just a few chapters later. So God makes, God works and work is good. And then God makes us to work and it's good. And then we disobey God and work gets cursed. And then only a few chapters later in the same book, here's what happens. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. Remember, you guys probably say that pretty often, right? And they had brick for stone and butamen for mortar. I'm kind of running low on butamen. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So they're working, right? They're making bricks, they're building a city, they're building a tower, they're working. And what's the motive behind that? Let us make a name for ourselves. See, God makes work, and it's good, and he commissions Adam and Eve to be part of his work and his care in the world. To actually, I mean, think about that, to actually get to participate with God in the world that he made. He, he makes this world and then says, hey, I, I want you guys to be a part of this, to cultivate it, to have dominion over it, and to, and to fill it, to, to image me is their identity, is their calling. To, to you're, you are made in my image to represent me in this world, to be like me in this world. And then just a few chapters later, the way that work gets twisted is, let's work to make a name for ourselves. Let's work for our glory. Let's work to know that we are somebody. Let's work for our honor, not God's honor. Let's work for our glory, not God's glory. Let's work to make a name for ourselves. There's a great author named Dorothy Sayers that talks about how many times what happens is if you're a doctor, you're a doctor to make money. And helping people is second. Or if you're a lawyer, you're a lawyer to make money. And actually being a part of justice in people's lives and actually serving people is second. And she talks about in World War II, what happened is doctors and lawyers, and I mean, those aren't the only professions, that's just what she mentions, that doctors, lawyers, and, and everybody, they weren't making hardly any money as they entered into the army, but they felt a new sense of meaning and a new sense of purpose and a new sense of fulfillment because their work wasn't 
I'm working to make money. I'm working for a status. I'm working for an identity. And yeah, I, I do. I help people along the way. It was, I'm working actually for other people, to serve other people. And the pay was secondary then at that point. But they felt way more fulfilled. They felt way more sense of contribution and meaning because their work was directed the way that God made work to be directed. God has made work for us to partner with him in his serving, in his loving, in his care for the world. And when we do that, we actually find ourselves more fulfilled, more satisfied, and often even actually better at our jobs. So how do you feel about work? How do you feel about work? Is it to you everything? It's where you'll find fulfillment. It's where you'll find status. It's where you'll find identity. Or is it maybe nothing? It's actually just the necessary evil to to pay the bills or the necessary evil to do your hobbies or the necessary evil to to get by in life. And yeah, we've got to work, but... Even that view is still using work just to get something. And often, if that's where your view is, then work's going to be boring. You'll cut corners because you're not really thinking about work as a way that you're partnering with God and serving, serving people, doing God's work, loving and caring for people as an extension of God's love and care for people. Rather, it's just, I'm, I'm using work to get what I actually want. So you might be bored, you might cut corners, you might get frustrated in your work. Do you get frustrated in your work when it becomes difficult? Well, that's really easy to happen if you're viewing work as something that's just intended to get you what you actually want. It's easy to get really frustrated in your work then because you're not viewing it as a place where you're called to serve, but rather it's just a place that, okay, I know that I've got to do this, but man, if, if it gets any worse than I actually signed up for, I'm really going to be bothered by that. If you view it as a necessary evil, and then it becomes more evil, then you're going to get frustrated. If you view it as this is a way for me to partner with God and his love and care for the world, it changes how you feel about work. It changes your heart toward work. I'm not saying it makes it just completely easy. I mean, let me just say that if you're skeptical, because as we said before, Work is cursed. It's never going to work exactly how it's supposed to work. It is inherently good, but it's always going to be cursed. But if we can think about it differently as our partnering with God, and if we feel about it differently, that work isn't intended to give us what only God can give us. Do you see that? We look to work to give us identity. We look to work to give us a name. We look to work to give us satisfaction and fulfillment and joy Or we look to work as just a tool to get us what we want in other places with the money we have. But all of those things is looking to work to get versus looking at work as something where I give. We look at work as something to get, to receive, to accomplish the things that we want instead of a place where we contribute. As the main place in our life often where we partner with God's love and care in the world. You're going to spend hours in your life at work. Hours. I mean, think about that. I mean, 24 hours in a day. You work 8 to 10 hours in that day. You sleep for, depends on how well you sleep, but let's say 7 hours maybe, 8 hours, 12 hours maybe some of you. You're working a big chunk of your life. Multiply that by 
however long you live. I mean, you're working so much of your life. What is work for you? Is it something where you get or do you view it as this is one of the main ways I get a partner with God's love and care for this world? Even if it feels like a meaningless job, even if it feels like a monotonous job, that even the small things, the stacker, the packer, the, the bread tracker, all of them are important. I do rap on the side. There's actually open mic um, in uh, Lodo. No, I'm just kidding. It's not in Lodo. It's in Arvada. Um, Not that Arvada is bad. It's just they wouldn't have me in Lodo. Um, Are you looking to work to give you something that only God can give to you? Are you looking to work to satisfy you and fulfill you in ways that only God can? Because if you are, then you'll be frustrated continually. Or are you looking at work to give you just money to get these other things to satisfy you and give you contentment? Still, it's looking at work to get. Okay. So, this changes then how we actually do our work. Here's how this changes how we actually do our work. If the big idea of work is giving, it's contributing, it's partnering with what God is doing in the world to love and care for the world, if that's the big idea of what work actually is, that radically changes how we do our work. Think about this with me. One of the things that the Bible tells us to do is to love your neighbor, right? If, even if you're not a Christian, you probably know that idea. That Jesus says the first great commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and then second, love your neighbor as yourself. That that sums up your life of actions is to love other people. So often that is separated from our work mentality. I mean, if you think about, okay, I'm supposed to love my neighbor, what usually comes to your mind when you think of that? It might be your actual neighbor. It might be the stranger that you see. It might be, you know, you pay for someone behind you at Starbucks. It might be that you... Um, help somebody push their card at the grocery store. It might be that you open the door for somebody. Yes, I'm loving my neighbor. It might be that you're a good friend to people. And we think about loving our neighbor and friends and family and even strangers, but so often work is cut off from that. If your main calling in life is to love your neighbor, love other people, Jesus uses the word neighbor, but love other people, If that's your main calling in life, love other people, is that how you approach work? Do you go to work saying, okay, I'm clocking in for eight hours today to love people? Is that how you think about it? But if work, if the grand concept of work is contribution, and it's partnering with God to love and care and serve the world, then, and if just our general calling in life as Christians is we are to love people, why do we so often seal work off from that? We all know we're supposed to do good works. We all know we're supposed to do good deeds. We all know we're supposed to do those things and to love other people, but do we view that's what's supposed to happen in work and that that's actually what work is for? If, it, if we viewed it that way, I mean, think about what would change if that's how you viewed it. I am now... Showing up to love people. If you viewed it that way, that would change how you receive criticism from your boss or coworkers. 
maybe someone says, look, you're not doing this the right way, and you would actually go, thank you for helping me love people better. I mean, that sounds kind of silly, right? Because we don't view it that way. We view it as work is here to give me something I want. I'm here to get from work status, identity, fulfillment, etc. And if somebody's kind of hindering that, I'm going to be upset. Or I'm just using work to get money so I can do what I really want to do. And I don't really want criticism on how I'm doing my job. I just want my money. Let me get out of here. But if we really said, okay, I'm here to love people. And we were criticized and said, hey, you need to work on this. We would go, thank you for helping me love people better. Or if we succeeded and we were told, hey, you did a really good job. Instead of that making us arrogant, we would be thankful. Man, I'm thankful I was actually able to really love people well. That's great. That would help us in our relationships with coworkers. It would help us in our relationships with difficult customers even. I remember when I was a, a waiter that... For the first two years, I, w- I, worked this, uh, I worked at Red Robin, and I worked there for five years. And for the first two years, I hated it. I hated it because I was really upset that people wanted things from me. Side of ranch. Oh, oh, I forgot I actually need a straw. Oh, I forgot I need this. Oh, and just shake their glass at me, you know, when there's the ice in there. And I mean, just people are horrible to, to waiters, right? But you know what another name for a waiter is? Even, I mean, this is the name that we used. It's a server, right? But I was using work to get. And so for the first two years, I hated it because I was supposed to serve people. And I didn't want to serve people. And a friend of mine told me, helped me to see this. And I talked with God about this and really realized, man, I am here to have people serve me, even though the title of my job is I'm a server. How ironic. And when that mindset began to shift for me that, okay, work is actually, what if I actually took my job seriously? I'm a server. What if I actually believed that? What if I actually believed that God has loved me and has served me and has given grace to me? What if I actually believe that? How would that affect how I treat the people that come in here? And it radically changed my job, both from just an attitude standpoint, that I really began to, as people were, hey, I need this, hey, I need that. Okay, I want to help make their experience good. I want to actually love them. I want to actually help them. I want to actually... Even, so even if they're being nitpicky or difficult, okay, that's fine. I'm here to love them. I'm here to serve them. Because God has loved and served me, and, and my work is a way for me to show them his love and his care and be a part of him doing that in the world. That changed everything from my attitude to my performance even. I mean, I actually, when that happened, began to get promoted to burger Master, I mean, not really, I mean, that's not the title, but I got promoted. I mean, and my work performance even improved. See, oftentimes when we approach work with, okay, what if I was actually here to love people? It wasn't to get something, but to give something. What if I was actually here to do that? Now, I know many of our jobs, that's, that's what it is, supposedly. A server, supposedly, that's what the job title is. A doctor, a lawyer, like Dorothy Sayer said, suppose it. But what if you actually approached your work, whether it's one of those professions or even something where you work at home, as I'm here to really love people and be an extension of God's love and care in the way I make the bread, in the way I stack the bread, in the way I deliver the books. I'm here to love people. That would change everything. 
It would change what you choose to do also. See, some of you are in a stage where you're looking for new work. Some of you are always in a stage where you're looking for new work. (laughs) Some of you uh, maybe don't have a job and you're thinking, what should I do? How do we usually choose our work? It's either what will be fulfilling and satisfying to me, what will give me status, what will make me money, or even what do I just enjoy doing? But what if you chose work from this concept? Work is something I do to love other people. Work is something that I do to partner with God in his love and care for the world. That would change some of how we even choose our work. This is from the book that I mentioned to you. Here's what Tim Keller says. Christians should be aware of this revolutionary understanding of the purpose of their work in the world. We are not to choose jobs and conduct our work to fulfill ourselves and accrue power. For being called by God to do something is empowering enough. We are to see work as a way of service to God and our neighbor. And so we should both choose and conduct our work in accordance with that purpose. The question regarding our choice of work is no longer what will make me the most money and give me the most status or make me the most fulfilled, etc. The question must now be how, with my existing abilities and opportunities, can I be of greatest service to other people, knowing what I do of God's will and of human need? Is that how you think about your work? Do you think about your work? Do you do you do your work, even how you choose work or even the work that you're currently in? Do you do your work in a way where you say, how can I? So I'm made in a certain way with certain gifts, with certain abilities, with certain talents, with certain experiences, with certain opportunities that I've had in my life. Do I look and go, okay, so how can I best use that to be of service? How can I best use that to love other people? That's a way different way to approach work. For some of you, that might change the work that you do. For some of you, it might, in the work that you're in, begin to help you think anew about, okay, so maybe this is the job I'm in, and maybe I should look for another job where I can better do that. But while I'm here, how can I most love? How can I most use the abilities I have here? See, sometimes it might redirect you to a different job. Other times, either because of necessity or because of just reality, you'll stay in the job that you're in, but begin to think about, okay, how can I best use the abilities and the gifts that God has given me? If that's what work is actually for, if it's not to serve ourselves, but it's to be a part of God serving and loving the world, if that's what work is for, and it is, that's the Bible's theology on work, That changes even how we choose our work, how we do our work. When we begin to think about how can I use my gifts in this work or how can I maximize my gifts and abilities which might direct you to new work. It changes, obviously I said this a little bit before, but changes your work ethic. It changes your work ethic. If you are viewing, I'm entering into this work to love other people. God has loved me. God has served me. God has given grace to me. Okay, I want, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of God's love and care for the world. Would that not change your work ethic? It changes mine. I mean, I'm not immune to this as a pastor. It changes mine when I think, okay, I'm, I'm here 
to love people and be an extension of God's love to people. That changes my work ethic from just a job. It should change yours no matter what work you're in. I mean, I don't care if you're serving fries. That changes your work ethic to go, I'm here to actually love people. I'm here to actually serve people in whatever part I play in that. That changes your work ethic. It changes your moral compass within work. It's not just what's right, what's wrong. It's not just what's policy, what's not policy. It actually changes your moral compass within work to go, okay, if, if my guide is not just right and wrong, but love, doesn't that change your moral compass in work to go, how can I best love people? A lot of the stuff with the financial meltdown in our country a few years back wasn't necessarily illegal. But a lot of it was just not loving. Choices that are made that are unloving. Your moral compass would shift if it was, I'm here to love people. How can I best love people? It would also change your attitude and work. If you have... Being, being a Christian changes your very attitude in work in at least a couple ways. I'm sure it changes it in multiple ways. But one way it changes is when things are frustrating or things aren't going the way you want them or relationships are difficult within work. One of the big ways that a Christian understanding of work or being a Christian changes your work is that you don't view those things as just frustrations. You view them as opportunities to grow and change. Your work will be difficult. Your work will be frustrating. Your work might be boring. But those are all opportunities to look at and say, how is God wanting to change me through this work? Versus just, oh, the problem's the work. Oh, the problem's the work. No, the problem is our hearts are sinful. The problem is the world we live in is sinful. And God is exposing that all the time, all around us in different ways. So we actually receive those as gifts to say, God, thank you for helping me to to see my brokenness. Thank you for helping me to see, once again, that the world is broken and needs you. Changes our attitude instead of just complaining or bitterness or irritability or frustration or boredom. It changes it also because if we have received grace from God, can we not then give grace to others? If we've received love from God, can we not then have an attitude of love for others? And it changes also working in a distinctively Christian way. And this is something that I want you to think about. I don't have the answers for this because I don't know all your different jobs. But you should ask this question. You should ask, what does it mean to be a Christian real estate agent? What does it mean to be a Christian graphic designer? What does it mean to be a Christian fireman? What does it mean to be a Christian computer programmer? What does it mean? What, do you work distinctively different because you're a Christian? You should. I, I don't know what all the implications of that are, but that's something you should think through. How does the gospel distinctively affect my work? How does who Jesus is and what he's done distinctively affect the work I do? I don't know all the implications of that for you. I'd be willing to sit down with you and talk with you about that and try to help you think through that, but that's something that you should be thinking through. Is my work distinctively different as a Christian? It should be, because the gospel should so change your heart that it so changes your work. 
So those are some ways that it changes how we actually do our work. Last thing is this. We've talked about how being a Christian, how the gospel changes how we think about work. It's good, but it's cursed, but it all has dignity. We've talked about how it changes how we feel about work, that it doesn't become all important to us or not important at all. It's not everything or nothing, but that we don't look to work to, to get, but rather to give, and how we actually do our work. But how, does that, how do we actually have the power to do all those things? How do we actually have the power to think differently, to feel differently, to do differently? How do we actually have that power? And here's something I want to read to you. In John 17, Jesus says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is Jesus talking. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus says that his work, he accomplished the work that he was given to do. That his work was to bring people into God's family. See, Jesus worked to get you. Elsewhere in the Bible it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord, not for men. But many times we don't do that because either we're not working for the Lord, we're working for the money or for the status or for our bosses or for some other reason. And we don't work with all our heart because of that. But if we see here that Jesus worked, and his work, his, if you think about his job, if you think about his life's work, Yes, he was a carpenter also, but his life's work that he's referring to here, I accomplished the work, I did the work. He's talking about bringing us into relationship with himself. See, you are free to be able to make work be in its proper place. You're free to have work not be the source of your identity, your contentment, your satisfaction, your fulfillment. When you see that Jesus' work was to bring you into relationship with himself. If you see that Jesus worked for you, that begins to change. You don't need to then try to get that in other places. See, what are you looking to work for? What are you looking to work for? If you see that Jesus worked to actually already give you those things, see, Jesus wants you to have contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment in him. And Jesus has actually, you know, it's funny in the, um, not funny, very sad, in the uh, story of building the Tower of Babel that we read, where they're trying to make a name for themselves. What's so sad about that is that they had, humans had already been given a name by God. You already have a name if you're a Christian. You've already been named. Your identity, your value, your worth, it's already been established because Jesus worked for you. See, if you see that Jesus worked all of his heart for you, then that enables you to work with all of your heart in the way we're talking about. If you see that Jesus worked, 
He worked to bring you into relationship with him. Then you no longer have to look to work to give you all these different things. You see, man, I already got that in Christ. If you see that Jesus worked for you, that he gave you love and he gave you grace and he worked going to the cross to die for you in your place for your sins, to live the life you should have lived, to resurrect from the dead and be able to conquer Satan and sin and death and bring us into relationship with himself through all that. If you see that he worked to do all that, that means that work becomes in its proper place. It means that work no longer has to be this thing that, is, that we just kind of skate by because we really want other things in life or because it's everything to us. It changes all of that and it allows you to love. If you see that Jesus said, I'm going to work for you, if, if that love that he has for you, if you actually take that into your heart, that allows you to have a love for other people that gives you the motivation to want to say, okay, I'm going to approach work as a way that I give. Do you sense how much Jesus loved you and worked for you? If you do, that gives you the power to go, I want to approach my work with that kind of love. Not just because you're following his example, but because it actually changes your heart. And think about how that would change your heart with difficult bosses or difficult co-workers. Is your boss stupid? Maybe. I don't know. Is your boss a jerk? Are your co-workers stupid? Are your co-workers jerks? Maybe. But look, if you understand that you are a sinner and Jesus worked for you and saved you, Not because you were awesome, not because you were smart, not because you were cool, but because he had grace on you. That then allows you to have a respect for other people, a love for other people, a grace for other people, even if they're dumb and stupid or foolish. Because that's how Jesus treated you when you were that way. And it helps you to see, I'm a sinner, and they're a sinner. We're all people that are disobedient to God. We're all people that put other things at the center of our life instead of God. And that affects all of us. So it's not just them. I'm part of the problem. And yet, how did Jesus treat me? With love and with grace and with mercy and with work. See, when you begin to see that Jesus worked and his work was for you, that begins to change how we approach our work. Radically different. So how do you think about work? How do you feel about work? And how do you do your work? Is it like this? To the degree that you see Jesus as working for you is to the degree that these changes will happen in your life. If you don't see these changes in your life, it's to the degree that you are dismissing, connecting who Jesus is and what he's done to your work, which is going to be a significant loss because that's so much of your life. 